0: To speak has asked me to speak about him. Just, uh, afterwards let's remind me to mention a few words about him. I'd like to speak about somebody who's I guess his life and, and a lot of the things about him will be like a whole new world to people. A world that was extraordinary in what it produced. And extraordinary in its struggles. And um, we'll will uh, we'll work it on two levels. We're going to speak first about his life and the the of his life in Aved Hashem, which in itself is it's an incredible it's incredible change, a milestone in in history of Verit Hashem. And then speak about some of the public in youngness involved. The person is the Khadushe Rim. His outside um, is Chavkim Lada, and uh, we'll talk about his life in, first of all, in, in, the, in, in terms of Rav and the and so on, and then we'll talk about some of the public issues that he faced. He was born in 1799 and was Nifter in 1866. Bechlal, uh, if you look at a lot of these people's lives, they were not very long and it's incredible what they, what, what they accomplished and what they, what they went through. He was born, he was a real, he was a goyan oylem. He was extraordinary. It's, uh, there's no other way to put it. He was, at nine years old, they have the ternayim that his parents wrote, they, they got him engaged to a chashvah person. At the age of 13, he got married. His first rebbe was the of Maggit. Let's talk a little bit about the first generation of Chassidus, Bal Shemtov, was born in the end of the 1600s and died in the 1700s. We don't know much about him. He had two, ta- two main Talmidim. There was a second generation, or first generation, however you want to call it. After that, the Magid of Nazareth had a few Talmidim. And this was already the third or fourth generation. Poland was this huge mass of an anomalous, uh, amorphous type of, of land in Eastern Europe, it, it, it was kept being whittled down. And, the, and there were three big Chassidish Rebbeim. There was the Choyzim Lublin, who was considered sort of the... Um, stereo, he was like the Rebbe of Polish Jewry. The Kozhenits of Magid was one, and there was one or two others. He learned by the Kozhenits of Magid, and two stories about when he was by the Magid... Which will serve as a backdrop for something to come later. He was he was brilliant off the charts. The Koshner Magid asked Akasha, and he answered on the spot. And he smacked him, and he said, "That's not the way you answer. You, you don't jump. Your answer's right, but that's not where the answer." That's one story that was typical of the chinuf that he got, and we'll see later why it's an important story. The second story is. Um, he, he asked a group of Talmudim, nobody knew. The Rim, Chisholm uh, answered, and he, um, he smacked him again, and he said, if nobody knows, don't jump up with an answer. That was the chinach he got at that, at, at, in that environment. He also went on to the Chosim <laughs> <the> Lublin. Chosim Lublin was... The, he was like the senior rebbe of Poland, a big, big tzaddik, a big kaddish, and that was considered typical chiddus. As he was in the Chozem Lublin, as he was in that kufa, he was um, he was beginning to is that okay? He's beginning to get a sense something is going on, and one of the Chozes Talmidim. Who was known as the Yidar Kaddish began to move away from that direction, and he slowly broke off. He made he started with a semi chassidus of his own, until he broke away completely, and it became a fire machlokes between the Chayzes Talmidim. There's a famous uh, there's a chassidish description of it that um, that the, the, the there were two Yidin who didn't speak Lashan. The the the, the, the stuff that kept them from speaking Lashanahara for two decades, so that when they came and told the Chayza, they would be um, accepted. And the and the fire it was machleikas terrible machleikas. What was what was the content? By the way, I forgot to mention. Like always, whenever we speak about biographies, I want to give you where I get my material from. Um, <laughs> never believe. Uh, stories has stories. Th- the closest we have of a record of the Chiddusherim is something written by his grandson, a great grandson, called Meir Eni Hagoyla. He and his and a grandson of the of the Arim, who would later become the Rebbe of Armarcha, sat and collected, sifted through uh, material and collected whatever shmos they had, whatever stories, cross-referenced them, and Meir Eni is pretty much the only work that's, of, that's, the, that's the work. Two more wrote wrote Ramasai, and Seifim, which meant stuff from him, and um Kodesh. Those are the three really historical documents. In recent years, there's a Yidra, Biotr alfasi. he's still alive at Mersim, he writes a lot about Chesidus, he put it together in a more modern form, but that's the source material. There isn't much other source material. There's a handful of letters from him, but th- this is really where ma- materials are coming from, plus the stories of Machleikas that are mentioned other places in Bar Chava. What was, what was the fight? What was the struggle? And it would later evolve into a much more intense fight. The old Hasidus, as typified by the Chosen, the Abt, and so on, was a headed by a good Yid, Talmatera was not emphasized. Talmenech HaChomim were not held in terribly big esteem. The verter, the type of, the typical, and again, it's hard to, to say a class for everything, but by and large, the flavor was, they would speak on a Pasuk, there was no pretense that the pshat had anything to do with the Pasuk, really. The Pasuk was kind of just words that would sort of um, w- would sort of uh, give the, the backdrop the, the information the Rebbe told you it would go something like along the lines of sometimes there's an hugger by, by big tzaddikim that this, this is how they act in such and such a case and this is what they have to do for this and this reason and also the Pasuk says this the Pasuk has no shaychas to it, it was, and it was all it was very based it, the vert was hadrochen avareus Hashem based on a moon and a tzaddik that he knows what he's doing there was a lot of emphasis on doing good things and more good things and, and Chassidus and, and all sorts of um, it, 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 all sorts of <coughs> and Hanhagat Kedoshis. There was Chassidus until that point. The Yiddar Kaddish and it, and it became a lot sharper a lot more emphasized in the Talmud the Buna of shishcha they they were, um, what's the right word for devil's advocates. And they said Hasidus, is it as can I ask you just you know, not the they had emphasized unless you want to break away and make it Hasidus, but other than that, <laughs> they, the um the um they had emphasized the they had emphasized the primacy of MS. Em- in other words, they felt first of all, unless a person is a real talmud, the only thing that takes real sweat is to sit and learn, and any other activity is is suspect. Sitting and learning was considered to be the yisaidis <coughs> yisaidis. The, the 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 they instead of adding more and more shenon huggis, the, what they did was they kept um, punching holes. And the old adhages, basically their, their statement was when you put on a big gartel and a, and a tall strimel and, and white socks, you're basically filling the up with hot air. And there's no MS to it. And, and the, 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 the point of their trailer was to ask yourself, are you honest or not honest with yourself? There's a virtual producer, RIM, that brings it out he says when Hu asked Kayan, Loma Yecha Apecha, Loma Kharloka when he when he um, it, it didn't uh, you know when it wasn't uh, uh, when his carbon wasn't accepted, he said, What was Baruch Hu asking? Of course. I mean if your carbon is not accepted Baruch Hu, of course you should be upset. What was the question? So Khushwim said his question was, Are you upset because Baruch Hu didn't accept your carbon? Are you upset or are you upset because you accepted Hevel's car? That was the question. Very, very sharply pointed towards the person and questioning the person and the emiss of what he's doing. That was a a really a core value was Midas Emiss and instead of a person eating more and more Shayna and Haggis, they needed to start stripping away Haggis and questioning where the MS lies. Um, they also, as as the Yidar Kaddish's Talmidim took over, the uh, Yidar Kaddish died before Chayyim <laughs> Lublin. Despite the fact they were they they, they were very very uh, antagonistic relationships. He died in 1815 approximately. Rebunim Shischa took over. Rebunim was even sharper than Yidar Kaddish, and as Chasidim were they declared war on other Chassidim. They they would really antagonize and provoke other Chassidim. Other Chassidim did not take kindly to it, and they considered and they considered the Pshischus a wild animal, and people that should be gotten out of is out of Kali I was reading. I once read that somebody, Iron Marcus, was a German Jew who became a Chassid at the turn at the end of the eighteen hundreds. And he writes about Peshitzah, that it's a wild movement, and has no future because the the guys are crazy. An example he gave was, in a shtetl on Rosh Hashanah, Peshitzah Sidim came very early to the shul, they finished davening rather quickly, before anyone came, and they sat and learned the back. People came, they started davening, and in the middle of davening, someone comes up to them and says, Reboisa, you know, it's late, why aren't you davening? They started yelling at him, davening is nothing, learning is the important thing, you fool yourself, the kids, they, they came to blows. They were very provocative. They accused them of, uh, I don't know, the chayza the gave somebody a, a, a gartel, or the to gave somebody a gartel as a schooler, a white gartel, so they went ahead and blackened it. They, they were very, very provocative, antagonistic, and spoke sharply against everybody and everything. That was, that was the, the, the sum of the movement. Like, upon him, the... the, the um, the the, the was by the Maggid the Maggid the Magid passed away in 1815 and he started going to the Maggid's son the Maggid's son was Chashvayid um, <laughs> the Chidush say that he was very nister meaning whatever was his mindless were not overt you know he wasn't an overt, a known Talmud Chacham and so but the, the Chidush Arim went I guess to covet his father one day he left him the the story that he left him was that he said once uh, uh, he said a good pshat, and the the Magid's son was so impressed that he bent over and kissed him. And ifdushrim said, "I'm looking for a rebbe to thrash me, not to kiss me. I need somebody to, to 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 work me to the bone, to demand of me." And I guess the patch that is that the cousins is. Uh, the, the Kadz Magad had given him was what he was referring to, and he said, I'm, I'm not going to look into a place where somebody is going to pat my ego and, and uh, massage it. And he left him, And he went to Pshischa. The Reb Moshe, the Magad, the first Shabbos that he realized that he's not here anymore and he's gone, he was very, very upset. He was depressed. And... He just the whole Shabbos he couldn't do anything, and he said maybe to just disband Kajnitz and forget about it because he said it's Reb that the Rim Reb a have felt me out. He's he's missing every step of the way. I need him, and he's not there for me. He said, and then he said he destroyed my Shabbos. His Shabbos will be destroyed. The Rim rim had. 13 children who died in his lifetime. The, that's, that's a fact. They all died on Shabbos. The, there's an added part of the story, which I guess is a little more tenuous, but the, this first part is certainly yeah, That 17 times he went to the Peshush rebbe, he traveled to the Rebbe, and he had 17 tragedies in the family. Besides his kids dying, there there his wife died, this and so on. And he said, I knew that it would cost me dearly. But truth has no price, and truth isn't Pshischa. I mean, it, this is it's a story that's mind-boggling. He said, and Pshischa, the people who went to Pshischa were very bright. They were They had an extraordinary, they were attracted to the Emmys of Pshischa, to the no-nonsense of it. And, and Pshischa kept banging away at you questioning if you're MS, questioning, um, you questioning you know, if you think you are what you are and, and who you are very, very sharp the biggest example of the biggest talent was the Kotzka the Chedushim became a Chassid in Pshischa and many Rebbeim sent uh, a Shlichim to try to get the Chedushim to become their Chassid he was the prize catch in Poland he was a genius, a huge Talmud Chacham, a recognized Sadek and Anav. His being part of a group meant that that group would be would become the Chash of a group. He went to Pshischa and he never turned around. Once he did, he resisted going there, but after he went there once, he said, "This is Emes," and he stayed with it. the um, The antagonism to Pshischa group so somewhere between 1815 to, I guess, 1837 or so, when the Pshizchah passed away, uh, 1827, the Chassidim um, the got together and they decided they're going to put Pshischa in into here. And the occasion was, there was a wedding in Ostila, which was a, a shtetl very close to the borders of uh, Poland and Austria and it, it was very close to a whole bunch of borders and it was a it was between two of the big and there were over 200 Rebbes with the sidem at the wedding it was a huge wedding and the anti-Pshizcha group decided since one of the Mekhotanim grandfather was Reb Mea Abter, the Apta Abte Rav he was the most senior Rebbe in Poland and even the Pshitzchahs couldn't disregard it. If, if he would put them into Techeirim, they'd have to disband. He was too big for anyone to start up with. And they decided at the wedding, they would sit him down, and they would debate it, they would bring uh, all the Shmurs about pshischa to him, and they would, once and for all, like um, the out of The pshischa found out about it, he was going to go. And um, the Kotzke said, there's no way you're going, because... If, they, if you go, it's going to be worse. They decided instead to send the Chedusha rim with some others. Chedusha was a young person. He was, have been in his 30s, by, by my reckoning. And he came to the Chasna. Nobody knew who he was. A group of, of Chasidim amongst hundreds of thousands of, thousands of Chasidim. The Abtus sat and he said, No, he said, we have so many Chashviyidim here. Maybe we can get an answer to a, a Chash I've had and he has the cash on the Rambam and people start giving roots him back and forth, nothing was good and the, the Chidush Rim told somebody a Haritz and this person he, uh, he, he, he told him, it was one of his chaverim. It, it says why are you whispering it? you were sent here to save Pshischa. tell him so he got up his guts and he, he sort of said it very loud. People started arguing and the apter started the whole commotion. and said, what's this? So he said, I have a terrace and he said it. And the aptor was extremely taken by it and he says, Yingaman, what's your name? He said, it's Shemaya. He says, and which river do you go to? He said, Pshischa. And there was a stunned silence. And he invited him to sit at that table together with his friends. Then they started attacking back and forth, pro and con pshischa. Um, the misnagdant of pshischa started telling the Apta what's better about pshischa. And they said they don't learn. So someone said, well, this younger man said a tariff that nobody else said. What do you mean they don't learn? And back and forth. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, they, they held the ground. And the Apta um, put him by next to him. And that was it. He he um he, he decided there's no case against Shishra and he held on to him. He picked of all the people that night to dance with, he danced with the Khdu And he said Tayra, the Apta. He said it says La Kell Shabbatri Mashvi, the Fikras Allah, Dasha um it, 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 it says, um Ram Mizashrimashabas, <laughs> the fikah you forgot kelkoyitsura. He said, "What's the l'efikach?" So he said that the bria doesn't have the guts to stand up. You need to have guts. So the bria doesn't have it. But when Shabbos, when it says Mizra Shoyim HaShabbos, when Shabbos was created, praising a Baruch Hu the whole bria followed, and they also said Shira Sheva. And then later in the chasne, he turned around and he said, "The Shabbos in this oilam is this younger man, is it Shmaya?" And he leads, he leads us. That was his. That was. And with that, the, the at least Pshischa held its ground, and they could not, um, they couldn't shake it. That was a very famous chasne and it was a turning point. It was a certain watershed in Polish chasides. Pshischa became more consolidated. If the Pshischa died in 1827 or so, um, the, the, um, there was a question, who would take over? The Kotska or B'chimraya? the The Rim. At they, they spoke it over to themselves, and after a few hours discussion, it was a few months of, of, of back and forth, but a few, few hours discussion, the Chedushim walked out of the room, and he said the Rebbe will be out shortly to Dava Menchav And he was machted the, the, the Kotzka as Rebbe. For 22 years, he was his equal. If anything, the Chedush Rim might have been, uh, a, a, a little older Chedusharim was was as in the Habura, I think he used to sign before, he was Cheshavah considered. For 22 years, he proved Khasi to Rebbe. And they asked him, Um, someone asked him like, why didn't you become Rebbe? He said I found the Emes. And when you find the Emes, you bow totally to the Emes. He once took his grandson um, to visit him. And the grandson was very, very young. And someone asked him, what is he getting out of it? He said once in his lifetime he'll have seen an Emes And the Hadush rim." Basically, was Kaif himself to the Kotzke. I mean, he didn't live in Kotsk, He lived in, in Warsaw. He did things in Warsaw. He was active. He had a yeshiva, but really, really mitayrus um, rebbe. He, he he wouldn't refuse any genunim of a and he was totally kaf to the Katska. Kotzke. The Katskas' hanhoges sh- became sharper and sharper and more difficult. Um, what the pshischa demanded from his Chasidim, the katzka was much more intense. And people couldn't take it. And they began breaking away. One, two, three groups broke off from the katzka, from their own also with bitter machlokas. They went the other direction. They said the Katska's derech is crazy. It, it, it demands till the person can't give anymore. And someone described it, it's wonderful that the surgeon is so good at cutting people but if the patient doesn't wake up from the operation, the, su- the operation was a success. It's very nice, you can take somebody and cut him to pieces and make ash and blotter from him, but if you can't put them together again, what's the point of it? And they broke away, and they, and they made their own thing. Chusharim was the only one that stood by his side. Chusharim also made his business to visit all the Goynim and G'daylum of the Dar. The Nesibis held of him, the Kivega held of him tremendously, Kivega was very much of him. He had a fight with Kivega. There was a question of uh in in about Bera Dintira. He held one way about the matpissim the, the in Slavita and, and Vilna. Rim um, held not like that. He wrote a very public letter. He was he, he made his business visit come out every other gadol there was to visit, and I think the reason was to be able to give Pshischa and Kask its standing. The truth was he accomplished it because he was the rabbis before him were very rebbish. people didn't were not massive rachamim where they were or not there was also a, not a clear there was an aura of being like this big tzaddik and it was strange the Chushirim had was very <coughs> big anav very down to earth very straightforward and you know and and it was it was very easy to connect and see that it was genuine and he was one of those giant gedolech siddes that gained them the credibility of of the rest of the world. Most of them actually were parishah him, Daven Nazar, who was a little bit later than him, or, or the, he was the Katska's um, son-in-law. There was the Sfas Was there was the Tzemach Tzedek. There were a few of those girls that they were both. Ge'onim and Taira, by all counts, the the they were also very straightforward on Haggis. It wasn't these mysterious rubbish on Haggis, there was a straightforwardness to it that allowed them to, um, that allowed them to, re- that they could connect to the world outside and gain the credibility that they really needed, desperately needed. He took over, and he became Rebbe, seven years before his Nifta. After the Kotzke passed away, there was a Shaila, His son took over, this and that. Finally, in 1859, he became an official rabbi. He didn't want to be, he wasn't in Warsaw, he was in, in Gare, which was close to Warsaw. And in some ways, there was, um, there was they, they used to call them the seven full years. He changed, what he did was, he took the Kotzke and Huggis and moved them back to normal. He he. The davening used to be very late in Kotsk He moved it back to regular time. He took away the sharp hanhoges that were only shayach to schooler. They were only shayach to like if, if people who were who were like uh, unique. He got rid of them, or at least certain of the It became a very mainstream hanhoga, warm, welcoming, community-oriented. Um, you know, embracing. It kept the emiss. In other words, the, the signal of the Torah was still to get a, a you know, to, to pshat nepasik. Talmud Torah was very chashev. But it, it, it became a lot more user-friendly. It became a derech for tzibur instead of for yechidim, that were kind of at the edge. Those seven years established the core of Pahy What we have today really came from that. After the, the, the Chidusharim was Nifta in 1866, for four years, he didn't leave any children. They all died out. Uh, the sons died out the Haev. For four years, his Chidusharim went to Alexander, who was a friend of his. And then when he was Nifta, they went back to the Sars-Semes, who was a grandson of, 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 of uh, the Chidusharim. And all the Paleish Chidush, even those not, it, it moved in that direction. The direction became compatible. With, with the rest of the world in terms of the primacy of uh, Talmud Torah, Halacha, you couldn't just give sort of rubbish, uh, uh, you know, like this is what I think on Ruach HaKodesh. Things had a solidity and a strength that, um, that really became the, 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 the um, foundation for Chassidus to this very day, for Pelel Sheh That was his personal life. Um, one extraordinary extraordinary Hagosha of his when his last son was sick and dying his last son's name was Avarmartya and he died when he was about 40 years old when Avarmartya when was 40 in other words he was a grown person he was the father of the Tzvassimus he was a wonderful person and when he died he told his wife he, he, he held his he held his own And he told his wife, if there'll ever be a person who suffers, he'll be able to say, It's Shemaiah lost 13 children, all of his children, Bechayav, and didn't have one bit of titheness to Rabbi Inshallah. What right do I have? He says, that's that's what I will become. When they buried him, he started crying, and they asked him, why are you crying? He said, "I had a mitzvah v'shinaton vanecha, and I don't have it anymore." That was his personal life. Um, Let's go over back to some of the public things and and the framework of some of the public uh, arena, which was very important. In 1830, there was a revolt of. uh, There was a revolt of. The Polish, what happened was, Poland basically became an autonomous, semi-autonomous entity under Russia, under the Tsar. In 1830, the Polacks rebelled. Um, the Chedush sided with them, helped them. They forced his father-in-law, who was a wealthy man, to give them a huge loan, which was basically the sum total of all of his assets. And when the Poles lost, first of all, Hussein had to run away. He changed his name from Rottenberg. His name was Rottenberg. He, he, he was a grandson of, uh, a, a, a descendant of Marami Rottenberg, not a grandson, a descendant. He changed it to Alta. His father lost every nickel of his money, and he was <coughs> terribly poor, destitute for a few years. He had a brother who decided to give him, he, he refused to take any money for being rebbe or teaching or anything like that. And other yom, Polish Jesus got rid of pidgin. There was no, there's no pidgin. You don't leave the rebbe money when you come for brachas. There was something that was very anathema to him. Um, what he did was, his brother, Chilich Rim was actually a very learned person. He knew Polish fluently, which was highly unusual could write and read and speak it fluently. He knew sciences, um, the, his Rebbe, the Rebunim Pshischa, was a, a, um, a pharmacist. That was his Painassa, and those of a pharmacist was an educated person. And he also learned pharmacy, he also knew chemistry, and he took him to help him. He had a factory that produced, I think, vinegar, he was like the he, he was he, he gave the eighties in terms of the production and so on and that was a stickerpinose in 18 at the end of the 1840s in 1850 the russian the tsar published exera and this was done with the um, instigation of maskilim two things first of all that Jewish chadarim had to learn goyish subjects, and two Jews had to shave their beards and payas and cut their begodim to become matter. And this was obviously the the Tsar couldn't care much. It was mostly instigated by Jewish maskilim, and there was a big big machleikus amongst the Rabbis about what should be the approach. Should they should they call for Monsieur Nefesh, or they should, um, they should go, or, 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 or no, it doesn't say anybody's in the Torah that, that you have to the Nefesh to wear kapata, and they shouldn't. It was a big machleikis. The Chedusha Rim and Varka, his friend from Kotsk, held with Monsieur Nefesh. He said it's Arkeset and misana. they have to make a stand on it. The Kotzka, his Rebbe, didn't hold like him. And he said, where does he get the nerve to order cholesterol to death? I also understand a little bit in Kleine Isis. In, 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 uh, I, can, I can read Shokharach and Pytoros. And, and show me where it says. There's a big machleiches. Chdushirim held strong, um, and, he, and people held strong. They arrested Chdushirim for a while. At the end, they, there was too much public pressure. They let him go. But they, um, but they actually, what they did was, they made, he, he fought very hard, and, and I, I want to just give over an idea of what it's like. They needed to be mishtabled by Jews to go and to be mishtabled against Xerah. So there's a story, he went with a friend of his to a mosque to beg that they should intercede with the government. He said, they went to him on a Shabbos, and he was sitting there smoking on Shabbos. And they had to talk to him. And was devastated. He said, I can't believe that this is what I have to do in order to get the Xerah bottle." What happened in the end was that they, they gave a choice. You could either dress European or you could dress Russian. Dressing Russian meant you can keep your beard and payers, but you have to stick your pants in the socks. That's why to stick their pants in the socks. And to wear those little hats that you ever see the younger Khurdish kids, that's where it comes from. But he, it was something that he fought very... And it's interesting. He himself was educated. He himself knew languages, knew science. But in the Hadarim B'Shumo I think it was by him Yaharim V'lyavah, that they shouldn't, shouldn't let in. In the year 1840, it, there's a, the Zayachar says that in, in Toph of El Fashishi, there's going to be a big revelation of Chachmah. And a lot of people thought Mashiach is going to come. There were Rebbe's that said Mashiach is going to come. They slept with... with uh, uh, There's one Rebbe who had a, a shamish has had to be awake w- all the time with a shayf in case Mashiach comes. He immediately blows and so forth. He came out very strongly against it. He held it's not true. It, it would get people's expectations up. And he proclaimed low, high and low it's not true. That's not pashat at all. It means either chachma chitainis, which it was, or it means that there'll be um, different, whatever it was, had nothing with Mashiach. And, and he was very strident about opposing it. And, and, and I guess you can learn from it that something that's false is... He wrote Spharm in his life, the fascinating thing, he wrote a lot, and what was published was a tiny drop. The, he, he, his grandson's wr- writes. That he burnt more sfarim than he wrote, and the criteria for burning sfarim was if he felt there was a tiny drop of shaloy l'shma, of too much personal satisfaction of a sake, he burnt it. There was one chibber he wrote on He wrote we have on two halakim. He wrote a big chibber on His rebbe the katzker looked at it and he said it is incredibly good, but I'm afraid. If this Chiba comes out, people will forget the Shach. They won't know the Shach. And it's not right that somebody from Alador should be Matchik the Shach. And he burnt it. He burnt that Chiba. Incredible. What we have left over from him is chidushim al Shah. It's around, it's available. We have it in Yeshiva. He has on Shluch HaOroch, He also has... He wrote a verse on called Seif his children and grandchildren collect a lot more and they put it out, um, you know, licutium, more Likutim and so on and so forth. We'll share two veritas on this stage, I guess, and just so that we get a flavor of, of it. The first one is it says that the naseem brought the avner Shoam. naseem is spelled without a he view it's it's spelled without a yud so rashi says because they said we'll wait till everybody else um, gives and then we'll give and whatever's missing so it was a grand gesture they were trying to um, give a lot. But still they were punished and the yud is missing. So why, why were they punished? Why, what was wrong? He has two or three different, in different times, different Kupas gave different Mahalchim. But one that I especially found, he said, they, they didn't, the chisorin was that they didn't feel part of Ka'i Israel. In other words, let the plebeians bring what they bring, and then we'll come in and give more. There was a lack of Tzir of Tzir And since the mission is supposed to be a Tzir of the Yisrael, there was a pekam, and the Yud that they're missing is the Yud of Yisrael. That's one pshat. Then he says, on another Pasik, it says that they brought a lot of stuff, and it says, the Lushan is that Mm-hmm. So he says, What was wrong? What, they're afraid it'd be too much. What was what was the problem with having too much? So one Pshat he says is because somebody will be left having given something for the Kodesh that wasn't used and it's a tremendous disappointment. That's one agasha. But then he says another pshat. He says the mm-hmm. Chet of the eagle was that there was a chachma meruba mimisef. In other words, they wanted <coughs> closest to Baruch Hu but they didn't know boundaries of where you can and where you can't. When, rut, when what you want and it, 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 the Pchin of Chachmaru of is that your inner self has more yearnings and ideas than you really can express Lemaisev. That's a Sakana because it floats around not finding a way to express itself and it causes harm. So the eagle, the people had this hagasha. they want, somebody should bring them, somebody should take them. Moshe Abed is not here, so we'll take the eagle. He said, this was supposed to be a kafara for eagle. The Mishkan is a for eagle. So to, to bring, to, to be menadev leiv in excess of what you can actualize leads to no good. And that's why the the vayikalei the that they reigned in themselves and didn't bring that was that was uh, that, that was an important tikkun a kneged of what was the problem of Hataigo. That's those are two verities that in the parish. Um His after he was nifted, like I said, four years Alexander took over and then Sosemis and that became gear and so on. It's it's extraordinary because a his um, it, it was a turning point in Hasidus that legitimized Hasidus. It helped bridge the gap um, t- to 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 the rest of the world. Two, it also it also steered and corrected to some degree some of the issues that were there in Hasidus. And he was able to bring it a to bring in the ethnic of and Emes and so on that was lacking. And he was able to tone it down. He gave it the tone and set the right type of mahalach, which, which became the mahalach, really, in many ways. Um, I wanted to add, obviously, I wanted to add just, uh, someone that reminded me of Ramesh Shuster, somebody I knew who just passed away a few weeks ago. And Ramesh Shuster was an incredible person. Um, again, I don't know how many you know the name, how many don't know the name. When I, in, in, the, 19, in the 70s, when people started when the whole concept of the Shurim movement started, um, there was, every, you know, people made yeshivas, people said shurim, and stuff like that, Shatora, Sameh, uh, Mokhon Shlomo, and others. He was the person who probably brought most people into those yeshivas. He was an American, he had learned to marry Yisrael. He was quiet, shy, thin. The last person you would expect able to do it. He would stand by the kaisel tap people on the shoulders and say, would you like to be set up for a meal for Shabbos? Um, would you like to learn more about Judaism? It, it never, he never had more than a minute or two per person just because there was personality. He didn't have more than that. Something about him drew people, and the population of most of these yeshivas mm. were his. <coughs> Uh, it was incredible, day in, day out, morning and night. Nothing for himself. He, he was totally selfless. Um, it's something that's incredible. He, he, he had a six-year-old daughter that was killed. The car hit her. And, was and he went to Yashua Yashua Should he sit Shiva or not? He said, every day that I'm not at the Kaisal, a few more people slip away. What's the halacha? And Yashua told him, Ikra, didn't, you're right. I did you should be at the Kaisal not sitting Shiva. He said, but it's a person. People will not uh, take kindly to it. Um, he was a one-man show. He then, later years, made the um, Heritage House where people could stay a few days, and he would come here raise money occasionally for it. The last few years of his life, he wasn't that old. He must have been probably 70 when he passed away, I would guess. Um, he had a terribly debilitating disease that destroyed him. And he um, was really a person who... For our door, it was somebody who was kulel Hashem. Everything he did was, you know, on the whole person there was nothing. He would write, he would keep, he would keep in touch with many of the people that he brought in, write them letters and postcards and this and that. He, he wasn't a man of many words. Reb Noach said the best line about him, in line with it says Hillo Mechayes Reb Lozhenchas He said "May Shuste Mechayes the people who say they can't do Kira because they're embarrassed and they don't know how to talk and they don't know what to say, he said, there are no people more embarrassed and shy than Meish Shusta and have less words than him. And he did it because he wanted to do it because it was real to him and because he felt that that was his whole He said, he's of all of us. Just, uh, so it was right to, to note his fear his and so on. He's Barakay.